Happy Palm Sunday. Whatever. <laughs> you see what we did there? Did you see that? You see what we did there? I like watching you guys because you guys, when you put a video up there, everyone watches. Everybody goes. And when I get up here, everybody goes, honey, you got any gum? You got any, are the kids okay? Can you check your phone? You know, so as I read the, the Gospels, we, we were thinking about Palm Sunday. Um, and so you just read Mark's um, story of Palm Sunday, as we call it, the approach to Jerusalem, Mark chapter 11. And um, of course, you just watched Alexander the Great, right, ride into the city. And you, you start to, as you put Jesus in the context of history, um, you start to see what the writers of the Gospels were doing, right? They were saying, this is like that, but it's not like that, right? So his riding into a city doesn't have, um, you know, chiseled good looks and perfect white horses, not bad to have a zebra, right? And a lion and a few other, some confetti. Uh, but his approach to Jerusalem um, is on a donkey. And if you know much of your history, you know that's just not how the big shot kings did it, right? They didn't, you don't ride in donkeys. Anybody ever, or did anybody grow up in the era where you were encouraged to read the book uh, dress for success. Anybody know that? Some of you know that? Okay. Dress for success. In other words, and I never read it. I just, I heard it bantered around, but I, I think the idea is if you dress a certain way, you will impress people because we're gullible people. It's a commentary on us, actually, when you think about it, because we go, oh, that guy must really know his, or that gal must really know her stuff. I better buy their product. I better do their thing. No, anybody know what I'm talking about? So uh, when you come into a city as a conqueror, you know, as Alexander did, I'm probably going to need some water, it sounds like. Um, Does it sound like it to you guys? Mo, I appreciate it. Yes, I'll catch it. I think. Thank you. Um, So the idea was you got to dress in a way that attracts people to you so they go, Wow. This person is obviously killing it. So whatever they're selling, whatever they're propagating, you should do that because they're going to really, they're going to make it work for you. You have to see the contrast, right? You have to see what now the gospel writers are doing, saying, look, he's coming in on a donkey, right? And uh, it's a completely different approach. Approach. One, two, three. Approach. It says, as he approached Jerusalem. So we're doing our series on epic love. This is Palm Sunday. And this is when we think about and remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem and preparing for the final week. So when I read that, I started thinking about Scenes like this, uh, that conquering generals would, you know, ride into the city, and how Jesus is contrasted as a different 
kind of ruler, if you will, a different kind. And, uh, and then I start thinking about, it's his approach to the city. And I, I went back to my, my days of my Bible or uh, college days when I was learning to fly a, an airplane. And I flew like a little Piper Cub, you know, on a little grass airstrip. It, it uh, had a stall speed of like 50, 50 miles an hour, right? So it was, you could almost run as fast as this plane was going. Not really, but it just, you're just cruising in the, in the cornfields and it just gently lifted up. And, um, you know, it was a tail dragger. And then I'd go to the other airport, the city airport, and uh, fly more conventionally. And uh, my instructor, you know, as he was teaching me, um, of course, if you've had lessons or flown, um, and, and uh, it's all about learning to land when you're starting. It's just about learning to land and, uh, and not do anything really dumb while you're flying. But it's basically the, the hard thing is, and when you're getting ready to land, they have what they call final approach. You get yourself lined up to the runway, and you start coming in. And at final approach... You want to be, and this term was coming to me yesterday, in the pink, in the pink. Any pilots here? Uh, okay, couple, yeah. So in the pink, and so my uncle flies a lot, and his two sons, my cousins, are both professional pilots now, so there's a, f- a lot of flying in my family. My dad taught me to fly, and I think, I think I remember him, you know, telling me this phrase, but I it's been a long time, and so I texted my uncle yesterday, and I go, do pilots still use the phrase, in the pink? And uh, he didn't reply for quite a while, and then uh, finally he replied, and he goes, oh, well, uh, the consensus here is no. And he's like, I'm at the airport now. He hangs out at the airport with his flying buddies, and, uh, and so I'm like, oh, boy. So I, I'm trying to remember if I knew that correctly or not. And uh, I said, I, I, he was asking around, he says, well, maybe it was used back in an earlier generation, like World War II type generation pilots. The guy that taught me was from that generation. And here's the idea. Um, whether they use in the pink or not, um, there are landing lights, if any of you have flown, and if you're coming in, you want to come in your approach. If you're too high, the lights, as you're looking at the runway, will be white over white. In other words, it'll be white. And they have a saying, white over white, you're high as a... See, you could all fly. White over white, you're high as a kite. You're, you're, you're too high, um, you're going to miss the runway. Um, red over red, you're good as... Oh boy, you haven't even gone to class. Why don't you guys all leave an extra $5 in the back for the free lesson you're getting right now, and I'll sign a card if you need one. And, and what you wanted um, was white and then red. And then if, they were, if, the, if it was white over red, then you were not too high and you were not too low. So depending on the, what they call the glide path you were coming in, if your glide was good, if your descent was good, you were seeing that. And so my dad told me that's called being in the pink. Whether that's correct or not, I don't know. 
Not too high. Not too what? Not too low. When you approach something, it's all about having the right approach. Too high. Think of it. Would, would you need to enter all of this? In fact, the great story of not just Jesus, but actually, if I could say this, of all of Scripture, is that God didn't fly too high. In other words, he always descended. He always entered our world. He always entered our mess. He was always willing to engage. Too high, you just fly right on by, right? If you're God... You can just do a mid-flight refuel. You know what I mean? Like, oh, those poor people down there. The story, going back from Moses, is he hears their cry of their slavery in Egypt, and he says to go in. So the first thing that you have to recognize in this story is that God's willing to enter. God's always been willing to enter, to get in. And maybe for us, you know, maybe for us, a lesson is you can't fly by everything. What in this story is Jesus entering? He's, it's the beginning of what we call now the passion story, right? The suffering story. And so knowing what's in front, you can, um, any, let, let's talk about your approach. Anybody ever have a tough meeting coming up? Anybody ever have a, a tough doctor's appointment? Anybody ever have a tough, you know, family gathering? And you start thinking about that event, and literally your heart starts to change, the, the palpitation, right? As you approach it, you can physically feel yourself changing as it's getting closer. Jesus is coming towards the, the time of his suffering, and we get this throughout the Gospels, there are plenty of exits. There are plenty of opt-outs. There are plenty of, I could call legions of angels. And in other words, no one takes my life from me. I'm giving it. And it's easy to just fly by. But instead, he enters. He lowers. He comes. He does the, he does the descending glide path. Comes from the Mount of Olives down descends. This is really important because one of the first things that all of us want to do with our suffering or our challenge or our difficulty, option one is always avoid it. Avoid it. This is a survival. I just, I'll just avoid it. I'll avoid having that difficult conversation. I'll, I'll avoid addressing this. I'll just try to get around it. We try to avoid certain things now with medications. We try all kinds of ways instead of entering, avoiding. When something feels highly pressured, very difficult, it's easy to want to, what? Avoid it. Now, doesn't mean you go around looking for trouble. It doesn't look like, you know, some people enjoy conflict way too much, in my opinion. All right. But at the, the, the reality is at some point, you just have to take some things. You have to enter them. You have to face the reality that you're dealing with. The reality of illness, the reality of losing a loved one, 
the reality of losing a job. They're all real things. And our cult, can I just say this? Our culture, I, my opinion, our culture doesn't do this well. Our culture wants us to always just find a quick thing to be happy, right? Here's a pill. Here's a joke. Here's a, you know, and, and it's, in other words, sometimes you just have to sit there and swallow this, deal with it, absorb it. It's a slow descent into reality. That's a part of life. You can't take your, your kids through life and get them to think that they will never encounter suffering. It won't work. So the first thing that we, re- we think about when we see Jesus sort of descending on this donkey into Jerusalem is it was the right path he entered. He faced it. He was ready for it. Maybe when you have an, a difficult meeting coming up, maybe when you have something that you're not looking forward to facing very much, maybe Palm Sunday will take on a completely different thing for you and you'll just think about, you know what? I'll just get on that donkey and ride. And I'll just make one step after another. And I'll be able to face it one step at a time. This is not, this is not about finding an easy answer. This is not about quickly fixing things. I've noticed it to be interesting because there's a lot of really smart people I've met over the years who will tell you, oh, yeah, don't watch out for those get-rich-quick schemes. They'll get you. But the same people will take get-fixed-easy religion. They, they get it that you can't just, these get-rich-quick schemes, anybody, I don't, I don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but, you know, people have bought them like, oh, you just do this, just do this, and then, wham, you're going to get all this money. And it's, it's so... Um, it's so alluring, right? People just, they, they buy into it. But a lot, a lot of religious teaching is around this. It's just snap your fingers. Just say this prayer. Just do this. And they somehow, they found a verse here or a verse there, but somehow missed the big story. I mean, if there's a big story in the Christian faith, everybody look up here. Wouldn't it be this week? And wouldn't it be that you're going to suffer with Christ. That's what Paul said. You suffer with Christ. It's just a part of the story. I know. I like to do a flyby too. Anybody here just like to fly past your suffering? Fly over it? Never encounter it? Never experience it? It's part of life. Um, How many know there's a good ending? Hang in there. Huh? Who's read the end of the... Yeah, There's a good ending. So... That, that's hope, so you can always look, you always look through the suffering to the ending, to the hope. But that doesn't mean you go around it, you fly over it. So the first thing would be, think about this. What am I avoiding? Some people avoid stuff for years and years and years and years. Tell yourself a story, start to believe your own story. Instead, just face it and embrace it. One, two, three, ready? Face it and embrace it. You know, Jesus 
carried his cross. Carried it. Sometimes you got to hug the thing that you hate. You know what I mean? You just, it's just there. And in a culture that wants to avoid, you got to face it. He turns his face to Jerusalem and he enters in. Um, this is a uh, epic scene. And I wanted to contrast it for our series on epic love because you have Alexander, and that was certainly an epic scene, right? With the, uh, the lions and the, you know, and the zebras and beautiful white horses and the massive crowds. And the gospel writers are painting like an, an ironic, ironically epic scene. And if you read it carefully, you get all the irony that it's not a horse, it's a donkey. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. But my mind had, I I could think of Shrek, you know what I mean? With donkey. Anybody? And all I could, I don't know. But I was like, how humiliating to have a donkey like that, especially, you know what I mean? Um, this, This wasn't a power move. This wasn't an approach to say, let me just intimidate you a little bit. Think about your approach to people in situations that are against you. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm learning. At times, you need to change the approach. Picture a frustrating circumstance in your life, a frustrating person, a frustrating boss, a frustrating whatever it is, and you're just... Mm. Anybody? No one has mm in them from time to time? Okay. This is mm. And, and we start asking ourselves the question. Here, here's how we start to question. Um, when am I going to be out of this situation? When is this situation going to improve? When are they going to become better? When is their attitude going to change? When are the doors going to open? Anybody with me? These are the ways we ask questions. And instead, here's what I'm going to say. What if we ask a different question? Stop saying, when are they going to change? When is this going to... What if we just said, how, what if I change my approach? They, have, they talk about this. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting something different. So what are we usually, what are we saying? We expect we come in with our horns or our bull thing and we, we, we ram the doors, whatever we do, our approach, and we get resistance, we get resistance, we get resistance, and then we wonder what's wrong? Because what we're thinking is, what, who needs to change? This person. The other day we were flying and uh, uh, had to leave super early here in Detroit, um, ridiculously early, and then have come to find out they canceled the flight. Um, you know, you're never really happy about that when you get super early and then you find out late. Then so, um, okay, the flight's canceled. Um, reroute going to Oakland, California, instead of or. Uh, or going to uh, Orange County Airport. So instead, you're going to Nashville, Tennessee, and then you're going to Oakland County, or, or city of Oakland. Okay. 
So, you know, reroute. Now we travel with Charlie. So, you know, you, you get a little annoyed. Anybody just like, I'm a little annoyed. I'm a little annoyed. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little, uh. And, uh, but, you know, I know, I know I've traveled plenty. I know it's just part of it. It's just part of it. You just got to chill, right? So we go there, uh, make the next flight out to Oakland. They canceled that. So we get to Oakland and uh, we're down an outfit. Does anybody have a baby know what I'm talking about? We're down an outfit. One outfit is in a trash can somewhere in Nashville. That's what I'm trying to say. Is anybody with me? Pampers leak. Um, what, 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 how, how, how can I get you there? Right. So um, when we're on the plane, it, it lands, and the lady comes in the thing, and she goes, "This this flight. Those of you continuing to Orange County." Um, just do such and such. And I'm thinking, well, I'm continuing to Orange County, but I'm scheduled on a different flight. So I get off the plane and I said, funny thing, the seat I just left is headed to Orange County. Any chance I could just go and sit back in it? Answer was, no, you can't do that. Your flight's leaving an hour later at gate 28, right? No worries. I mean, it's no worries. I wasn't, okay, so... Fine, I start making my way to gate 28 or whatever it is, and you stop to look, and in the monitor, it says, flight canceled. How are we doing? How's everybody doing? Right? So I go back to the gate, and uh, I said, uh, I guess this flight's full, right? There's no chance. Says, no, I'm sorry. It's completely full. I said, well, you know, the one you're just sending me to, it's, it's canceled. You know, did you know it was canceled? And... You know, she said something, and then um, I'm getting a little, uh, anybody with me? And in my mind, I'm like, well, no one out here knows I'm a pastor. I'm just going to let this lady have it. You know what I mean? Like, ain't, ain't no one going no to catch me out here. Does anybody know what I'm thinking? Like, ain't no one's going to find out. And uh, so I lean in a little bit, you know, like, uh, ma'am. You got to understand, I got the baby here, and I, I, you know, we've been flying all day. We started four in the morning in Detroit, and I said, this is the second flight, you know, that you guys have canceled. She, I, I know, I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. And she starts working. So she says, yeah, well, don't worry. Um, I think what we can do is, if you're willing, you can fly to Long Beach, and then you can drive, and we can send your bags to you. And, but you're going to have to make a decision about all that. So I said, okay. So I get on the phone. I'm trying to make some arrangements and make sure that I can get a car and all this kind of stuff. And I get back to her, and I go, I said, all right, we'll, we'll do it. She goes, okay, but I just found out I can't send your bags to you. You'll have to go get them. Did I tell you I was already a little, uh? So now I'm thinking I'm going to lean in a little bit. Anybody with me? Like, um, what are the chances they would find out back in Detroit? Uh, went ballistic on this lady. Um, and I... I started probing a little further, I shall say it that way. I was trying to be nice. And then it, it hit me. I just, honestly, like a ton of bricks, it hit me. I go, I go, you don't have any authority to decide any of this, do you? And she goes, no. And it hit me. What am I doing? Said, this doesn't matter. I can yell. I can, do, I, can, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. 
She has no, this is her authority, and it, she can't go past it. This is what she's told. I said, I appreciate you. And I said, could you maybe telephone someone that we could talk to about it? True story. Because the lady boss who was telling her, no, you can't send them their bags. That's just too bad. They'll have to go get them, was a person above her. And I said, would you, could you just ask somebody else? Fifteen minutes later, this lady comes down. She starts, what's, you know, she's all business. What's the problem? Well, she goes, well, they, she, she couldn't even remember our story. It was so complicated. She goes, I think they had a flight canceled in Detroit, and then they went to Nashville, and now they're here. They're supposed to be going to Orange County, but their flight is canceled again. And so-and-so, the supervisor, said they can't send them their bags. And she goes, what? Send them their bags. And she just walks on. I go, ah, are you with me? Sometimes you just have to change your what? Approach. You got to change the approach. But we get stuck. We get stuck. We dig in our heels. We think I'm going to win this battle or I'm going to fight this thing. And sometimes you say, I just got to come at this differently. Think about how Jesus approaches, approaches. I love that word. But it's not just him approaching the city It's him approaching his suffering. It's the way God approaches humanity. It's vulnerable. I mean, the minute I said to her, you don't have any authority to do anything, do you? The two of us just connected. Because I felt sorry for her. Because I'm not the first person that was upset that day. Are you with me? And all she's got to do is just sit there and smile and take it as much as she can. I felt sorry for her. She felt sorry for me. We connected, right? We found our way to a problem. How we approach our kids, how we approach our problem, how we approach our boss, how we approach our neighbor. Isn't it all in the approach? I mean, couldn't we deal with stuff 90% better if we just took them? And and, ready? This is the clue. I'm going to let you in on the clue. Is it with the horse and the lions and the zebras? Is it with power? Or is it with what? Humility and what? Vulnerability. I could be wrong here. I see this this is all you can do. When we lower ourselves, right, it lowers everybody. It lowers the temperature. It it lowers the conflict. It gets us all on the same field. The reality is that lady was a part of me. And sort of, in a weird way, I was a part of her. That's what we're learning in this epic love series. Um, the other day we went to watch my uh, nephew play hockey and we're at the rink and, you know, Charlie can only watch so much hockey without, she needs to move around, you know, so she's, I'm, I'm, I'm walking around and it's Vicky's nephew, so she's sitting with her brother watching and um, I start walking Charlie around the rink and this guy comes up to me and he goes, hey. 
Were you in Vegas the other day? Well, not me. I mean, it was... Two things it made me think of. Uh, maybe somebody is watching me in Oakland, number one. All right? And this guy goes, I recognize your gray hair and your baby. Because we were on the same flight. Because coming back, they, they flew us through Vegas. Um, but this is the thing. This is what I noticed. When you have a baby, people will approach you that never would approach you. And then the guy next to him, I found out at the rink, came up to me. And person after person after person, they, why? Because a baby's vulnerable and everyone feels safe approaching vulnerability. This is so important. Our approach needs to be vulnerable. And honestly, most of us learn it the other way around. Our approach needs to be airtight. Our approach needs to be powerful. Our approach needs to be on top of, right? And if we say, I'm probably wrong about this. Can you help me understand? Is there some way I can be of assistance? All of a sudden, it's a coming together. I think a big part that we missed in the story is God is a vulnerable God. The story of Christ on a cult is a story of vulnerability. You could approach. Not just his approach, but you could approach him. Which is why in Hebrews it went on to say, come boldly, approach boldly. And it throws in another oxymoron, a I would put it in quotes today, throne of grace. It's the saying, God just sits on grace. And that's what it's all about. Let's stand.